How are you guys all doing this morning? Try to keep this shorter than David's last week. It was a little long. So, And he wanted to make sure that everybody knows Karina's going to UC Davis, not UC Berkeley. <laughs> it's going somewhere. She's leaving. <laughs> all right, so let's uh, open up in a r- word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today, and we thank you that we can come here to worship you in song and worship you by learning from your word. I just pray that you uh, speak through me your words today, Lord, that I will be clear, and that the message that you have for, for this congregation will be spoken, Lord. I thank you for putting all these people here in this church, Lord, to help each one of us grow stronger in you, Lord. Just pray that you uh, protect us as the week goes on. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to continue back in Romans. I'm going to open up to Romans chapter 14. So when I volunteered to teach this week, they said I could do whatever I wanted, continue in Romans, do whatever, do whatever. So I said, I'll just continue in Romans. I'll, I'll do a just keep it going, and that way we don't, you know, I don't have to figure out too much. I already have a way to go, place to go. So, so I started reading Romans chapter 14. I was going to try to cut this up into multiple sections here. And as I tried to do that, I realized you can't really do that. This chapter all goes together. You can't separate them. Just like in our lives, we won't be able to separate these two things. So we're going to go read the entire chapter of Romans 14. And it says, starting in verse 1, Now accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. The one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will, be able, he will stand before the Lord is able to make him stand. One person regards one day above the, uh, another, another regards another day alike. Each person must be fully convinced In his own mind, he who observes the day observes it for the Lord, and he who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God, and he who eats not for the Lord, for he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall give praise to God. 
So then, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in our brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with food him for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who is in this way, for he who serves in this way, serves Christ, and is acceptable before acceptable to God, and approved by men. So then, we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. It's <sighs> a long section. Well, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff. So I'm gonna go through this with you guys. And when I started reading this, I started talking about weak in faith and being strong in faith, and I had a hard time with that because. As a culture, we view weakness as something that's bad. Something that, you know, is, is something to be avoided. And then I, God showed it to me that would we, do we consider kids that are in the nursery to be bad because they're weaker and they're not as mature as we are? No, we don't. We know that they're, they're maturing, they're growing, and they have to be taught. It's the same thing with our Christian faith. When Paul here talks about those who are weak, he's talking about those who are still growing in their faith. And in each church, we have people who are more mature in faith, and we have those that are still maturing in their faith. We're all maturing to the point of Christ, right? But we're not all at the same level. We're all still at different levels, right? So Paul says... In the beginning, right at verse 1, it says to accept one another, the one who is weak, right? We need to accept each other, right? We need to have a personal, willing acceptance of each other in the church, right? It's not accepting them so that we can fix them. It's accepting them as they are. You know, each one of us comes to Christ with baggage. We all, whether you're third generation Christian, you know, you, you're the first generation Christian, you just were saved, we all have things that we bring with us to our faith. 
So each one of us is different. Each one of us sees our faith differently. And that is, you know, that's where the, the maturing of our faith comes from. As, as we mature in our faith, we're able to let go of those things that we held on to before, and we hold on to Christ, right? So in, in Paul's time, right, he's talking to those in, in Rome, and at that time they had the, the Jews and the Gentiles who had come to Christ, and they were holding on to these rituals and their, their ceremonies that they had previously to becoming Christians, especially the, the Jewish culture, right? They were holding on to those Mosaic laws that, that David talked about last week. And they were holding on in just, that was their, their foundation. And you had the other Christians who were more mature in faith, and they weren't eating kosher and, you know, things like that. And they were causing the Jewish Christians to stumble, right? So that's what Paul's talking to here, right? And then just another kind of example that I had thought of, you know, just because, you know, somebody raises their kid one way doesn't mean that that's the way I'm going to raise my child, right? We each answer to God for our own actions, for the way, you know, as a, as a man of the house, I know I'm going to answer to God for the way I run my household, right? But that's, how am I, how am I to say that, well, what somebody else does is wrong, when that, he's the one that's answering to God for that, right? And that's how we as Christians are, right, in this church. Each one of us is going to answer to God for our faith and for what we do here, right? So, so we need to accept one another as we are, not to fix each other, not to, you know, we shouldn't avoid people just because they, don't, they do things differently than us, right? We accept each other as we are. Right? Just because we can do something doesn't mean we, we should, right? So he goes on and so, says that we, are not, we should not be judging each other in the church. Right? Um, go down to verse, verse 3 of Romans 14. It says, The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. Right? So, um, when it says to regard with contempt, it's, it's talking about, it's basically saying that person, you think that person is worthless at that point. Is that, that was, was Paul, that's what Paul is saying is that you guys are thinking that because this person is not as mature in you, as you in faith, you're seeing him as worthless. And then he goes to the opposite side and says, you that, you know, you see the people that are, are stronger in faith and you're judging them or condemning them for what they are doing. I mean, how many times have you heard of a church where that starts in a, in a church and just rips that church apart from the inside? Didn't need any, any attack from the outside. It was just internally you know, condemn, condemn, judging and seeing as worthless and just this whole fight inside of a church that can tear it apart when we don't accept each other as we are, right? And why should we, why should we not 
regard with contempt or judge, it's because God has accepted them as they are, right? It says at the end of verse 3, for God has accepted him. There's no condition there, right? And like, like uh, David was saying last week, right, we have grace. God gave us grace, something that, a gift that we don't deserve, right? So why, how can we, who are trying to be Christ-like, condemn or see as worthless people who are our brothers, Right? Each one of us is going to answer to God for his, God alone for his actions. I don't answer to Robert for my beliefs. I don't answer to Rafe for my beliefs. I don't, I don't, I don't answer to anybody but God for what I believe, for my faith, for what my conscience says is between me and God. Between each one of you and God. And as, as brothers and sisters, we can't condemn and we can't can't avoid people because of what they believe. So, not only are we to accept one another, we're not supposed to judge either, but we also need to put our focus on God. Right? Each Christian, each, each person here, has to follow the dictates of his own conscience in, ma- in matters that are not mentioned in Scripture. So our, our freedom in Christ and things that aren't specifically spelled out in, in Scripture, we have to hold to our conscience. Right? So when I was... doesn't mean I need to do it. Right? Um, each, person's, each person's conscience can be different depending on their personal experiences and their relationship with Christ. Right? I'm just going to go to the, the easy one, which is alcohol. Right? It's never, never specifically mentioned in the Bible other than to not be drunk. Right? So, is it alright to drink? That's between you and God, right? For me, my conscience says, it's probably not a good thing. Because I've seen so many times where people get out of control with it, that it's easy to become drunk, and then you are sinning, right? And then you're around other people who, that could be a stumbling block to them. Something that, where it would cause them to sin if they violate their conscience. Right? So, we need to focus on God. Um, It it says in verse 4, Who are you to judge the servant of another? His own master, he stands and falls, and he will stand for the Lord, 
and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Right? So it says right there, we don't answer to each other. We answer to God. Okay? Um, and then it goes in a whole thing about regarding one day above another, and, every, and another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind, so must be fully convinced in his own conscience, right? He who observes the day above it does it for the Lord. He who eats also does it for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself. Not one dies, and not one dies for himself. Right? And then he goes on and talks about, you know, God is the judge. For if we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or we die, we are the Lord's. To this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the living and the dead. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will stand, all stand before the judgment seat of God. Right? Christ who died rose again to be, right, to be the Lord of those of us that are still alive and those, of, th- those that are still in heaven. Right? Each one of us will stand before God to give account of his actions. Right? We're not going to be part of the, the judgment where God separates uh, the non-believers from the believers, but we will all stand before God to answer for our actions here in, here in life as a Christian. Okay? So, as we do, do you want to stand before God and say that I violated my conscience because everybody else was doing it? Or do you want to be seen as somebody who judged or condemned somebody because oh, that they because they followed their conscience and didn't do what you were doing? Right? We each one of us will answer to God alone. So I, that's the the first part, right? Is our it says everybody has you can do whatever you, whatever is is you know you have your liberties in Christ you have liberty to do stuff but don't judge people about it right you know just because you know you have people who are weaker in faith and they choose not to do something doesn't mean that you can't do it right so if that was where it ended we'd have a lot of strife in the church, right? We'd have a lot of fighting because, you know, one person sees somebody drinking alcohol and thinks that that's wrong and you can't do that, right? And there would be a lot of of fighting. But Paul goes on and he gives us 13 through 23 and it talks about the law of love, right? It says, starting in verse 13, it says, Therefore, do not, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore. 
but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. Right? So when he says determine this, basically he's saying make a choice. Make a conscious choice. You have to decide to do this. This isn't going to come easy. Right? That rather than judging our brothers, we need to make a choice to help our fellow believers. Right? We have to make that choice not to be a stumbling block to our brothers. In um, 1 Corinthians 8, 9 through 13, it says this. It says, But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have not, who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For though, though your knowledge, or through your knowledge, sorry, for through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined. The brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. Right? He goes all the way to the point of saying, I won't ever eat that if it causes my brother to stumble. Right? So, in, Paul goes on to say in verse 14 of Romans 14, I, I know and am convinced. Basically, he's saying, God has revealed this to me, right? This is something that God has shown me. That nothing is unclean in itself. Right? He's ta- talking about more the, the Mosaic laws than anything else, but he's saying nothing in itself is unclean, right? When you guys remember all the way back to, to Genesis, where when God finished creation, he said it's good, right? Everything that God has created is good. As long as we are using it in his will, everything is good. So we need to make that choice. To, we have to make a conscious choice not to be a stumbling block, and we need to make that conscious choice to help our brothers. right? And that goes to that debt of love that Robert talked about two weeks ago, right? If I don't love you know, my brother, if I don't love Rafe, I don't care if he stumbles. Right? If I don't care that he sins, I'm not loving him, right? If I love Rafe and I want him to be closer to God, I'm going to make sure that do the, everything I do everything so that Rafe does not stumble, that I don't cause Rafe to violate his conscience and cause him to sin. Right? So what do we do? We walk in love. Each person needs to hold to his conscience. Um, If we cause 
a brother to violate his conscience and cause guilt, and we can actually cause our brother's growth in Christ to be slowed, right? Um, so if, we, if our actions cause pain or distress to a fellow believer, we are no longer walking in love. Um, love should cause us to be sensitive to our brother's weaknesses, right? So what do we do then? That's we have to live in the kingdom of God, okay? So we talk about kingdom of God. Everybody thinks about living in heaven, right? Well, no, we actually have a kingdom of God here on earth, right? And it's the kingdom of God is, is here on earth when we are living a holy, obedient life to God, right? And it talks about living in the, in the kingdom of God uh, here in uh, Romans, and it says, where is it? I lost my spot. Right, so basically, the kingdom of God is is all about about Christ, right? The central the central part of the gospel, right? Christ came, he lived a perfect life, he died, and he rose again, right? But it's not those non-essential parts of what we call theology, right? The things that we all like to go out in the fellowship room and argue about, whether it's end times, uh, predestination, whatever it is. That's not the kingdom of God. That's not the most important part of the gospel, of being a Christian, right? That's things you learn and you, you grow in as, as you grow in your faith. That's between you and God, right? But that's not the, the thing that it should be the most important thing in a church. Right? So, I said that the kingdom is about holy, obedient living. It's loving tranquility produced by the Spirit that is characterized, which characterizes our relationship with God and each other. Right? Loving tranquility. Right? How many of, how many of you guys can... Consider your your relationship with your families a loving, tranquil relationship. Right? That's that's how we should be as as Christians here at church. We should have a loving and tranquil relationship. We shouldn't have any strife here at church with our brother. Because we love each other more than we love ourselves, right? And then we also should have an abiding attitude of praise and thanksgiving no matter what our circumstances are. That's the kingdom of God, right? No matter what circumstances we're in, we have 
the attitude of praise and thanksgiving that people from the outside that aren't Christians, they look in and they're like, how are these people doing this? I don't understand. If I was in that situation, I would, I would be yelling, I would be screaming, I would be drinking, I would be doing anything I could to not think about that. But because we're Christians and we know God is in control, we have this attitude of praise and thanksgiving because we know God is going to take care of us because we know God loves us and we know that the people around us that God has put around us in the church love us. Right? Right? God has given us liberties, but we should not carelessly and selfishly offend our brother. Right? And how often do we do that? Selfishly, we think, well, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks, I'm going to do it. Right? So, we need to understand understand that, that we need to keep, we need to be selfless, right? Loving others more than ourselves and not be carelessly doing what we, what we want to because we can. Right? You know, we can enjoy our, liber- our liberties, right? We just want to make sure that we're not becoming that stumbling block for our brother. Because whether we want to or not, right, we're going to be living through eternity with each other. Right? So it doesn't matter whether you don't like this guy's personality or you don't want to really hang out with this person because they're kind of a little strange, you think, right? We're all going to be in heaven together forever. We are going to be in our new bodies, right? (laughs) Right? But we all still, we have to learn to get along with each other here before we go to heaven, right? should, right? So, and it talks right at the, at the end of, uh, of Romans here, in 22, it says, the faith that you have, have as your own conviction, right? As your own, in your own conscience, this is, this is what you believe, right? As your own conviction before God, happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because he is eating not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin. Right? So if your conscience is saying, don't do it, even though it's even though it's not in the Bible, and that, that's other people are doing it, other Christians are doing it because you know they're saying, Well, this is my my liberty in Christ, right? If they you cause somebody to violate their conscience, you're causing them to sin. And then you in you are being caused you are sinning because you're not loving your brother, as it said in, in First Corinthians. Right? So if I think this is this is just for me, this feels like I'm this is a, a brief overview of this, right? that we have these liberties in Christ that we could go in depth to. But 
we also have to love. We have to love each other, right? We have our liberties in Christ, but we have this law of love that we have to live also, right? And that's why I said we have to live with that. I titled this "Living the Debt of Love," right? Because Robert talked about if we ha- owe anything, we owe love, right? So if we owe love to the rest of the world, how much more do we owe love here in the church? Shouldn't we care more about our brother? Right? So why why would we force our brother to sin by violating his conscience or doing something you doing something that's going to cause your brother to stumble. So, so how do we live in love? Right? Well, first, we go back to the beginning, right? We accept one another. We accept one another as we are. Right? We, and then, what do we do? We don't try to fix them. We tr- help build their faith. Right? That's what we as a, as a church are supposed to be doing anyways, right? We're supposed to be coming around each other, building each other up in our faith. That's why we do things like women's luncheon, the men's retreat, the women's retreat, youth camp. Everything is about building each other up in our faith, right? So we need to accept each other, one another as we are, and we build each other up in love with no judgment. That's the important part right there at the end, right? With no judgment. Because how is easy for us as humans, right? That's our nature is to go and judge somebody. And it's really easy to, like, like the Bible says, to point out the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a log coming out of your own eye, right? So we need, that's what we need to do. We need to accept one another. So secondly, we need to make that choice. And it's a hard choice to make. It's not something that comes naturally to us, right? Right? We need to choose to think of our brothers before ourselves, not just in serving, right, around the church. Because that's easy, going around, cleaning up the church for everybody else, you know, serving, doing other things, right? That's the easy part, right? But we also need. But we also need to uh, think of them before ourselves in our hearts, right? We we may have to abstain from some of our liberties because we love each other and we know that liberty causes somebody else to stumble, right? How many of us want to give up something that we like doing because somebody else? causes somebody else to stumble, right? How many of us want, you know, how many of you guys have kids, right? They don't want to share. When they're having fun with a toy, they don't want to give it up, right? But as, as Christians, right, we have to give that up. We have to give that toy up. Because God causes, calls us to love our brother more than ourselves, right? Right? And we go back and we talk, think about in First Corinthians where it says, if we cause somebody to violate their conscience, not only are we causing them to sin, but we're sinning because we don't love them. 
because we're not loving them. Right? So first we have to accept one another. Then we have to make that choice and follow through on that choice. Not just, okay, I'm going to do it, and then it, next week you, you forget about that choice, right? We have to live that choice. And we have to live in the kingdom. We live in the kingdom, right? Every time we come to church, it should feel different than when we're out in the world, right? Our lives here at church, our, our life needs to be characterized by fully obedient living, right? And not just here at church, right? People, people sometimes live two lives, right? They live the church life, and then they live their, their work life. But it's what it's talking about when we live in the kingdom is our whole life is characterized by that holy, obedient living. Right? We also have a loving, tranquil, or peaceful relationship with all of our brothers. Everyone in the church, we have that relationship with them. That is a loving and peaceful rela- relationship. Does that mean you can't go out and have a good debate about theology? No. We can still do that, right? But we have that peaceful, loving, after you're done with the debate, you give each other a hug, and you don't hold grudges, right? We also need to have the attitude of praise and thanksgiving no matter what. That's living in the kingdom. That's the closest that we're going to get to heaven while we're here on earth. And we shouldn't we should feel it the most when we're here among our brothers, right? Our brothers and our sisters in Christ. So, how do we live in love? How do we live all this out, right? We accept one another, right? We make that choice, and we live that choice, and we live in the kingdom. So, I think that's a little bit, a little bit uh, shorter than David's lesson la- last week. So let's work on that together, right? We all need to, to work together to, to live like that. So let's, uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you gave us your word, that you loved us so much that you would send your son to die for us, Lord and that you would raise him again to be the Lord of the living and the dead. I just pray that you would give us the the heart that you have, Lord, that you would give us the, the tenderness that you have for each one of us, that, you would, that we could see each other like you see us, Lord. I just pray that we would live in your kingdom, Lord, here on earth, so that we can see, we can be ready for what we are going to receive in heaven, Lord. I just pray that we would live in obedience to you, that we would live a tranquil, peaceful life with each other, that we would be obedient, and that we would have a an attitude of praise and thanksgiving, Lord, that nobody else understands. 
thank you for, for loving us so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.